Welcome to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm your host, David Kowalski. It is Thursday, May 30th, 2013. Welcome. Um, tonight we have with us uh, guest Vivian McPeak, the executive director and one of the founders of Seattle Hempfest. Uh, we'll be talking with him about uh, all things Hempfest uh, for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, if you're listening uh, live, feel free to uh, call in or chat with us live at podstreamlive.com. Um, or you can listen live by going to cannetradio.com and click on the Listen Live link. Um, we'd like to thank all of our listeners out there who have made Cannabis Network Radio one of the most frequently downloaded podcasts on iTunes. And we'd like to thank all of our live listeners and all of our subscribers as well. Uh, and we have grown um, by leaps and bounds. Um, Cannabis Network Radio has grown to a, reach an audience of over 141,000 people. So uh, thank you all for your support. We'd like to go ahead and uh, welcome... Vivian McPeak, uh, Executive Director of Seattle Hempfest. Good evening, Vivian. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, David. Thanks for having me, and hello to everybody in the Sunshine State where the sawgrass meets the sky. <laughs> it is the Sunshine State. It is the Sunshine State. It's definitely getting to be uh, the warm time of year here. Um, so how are things in Seattle? How are things shaping up with this year's um, Hempfest so far? Things have been pretty interesting, uh, pretty exciting here in Seattle, uh, somewhat controversial uh, and groundbreaking, and uh, we are certainly gearing up for what's uh, lining up to be the most historic Hemp Fest ever. No doubt, sure. no doubt. So uh, it says that the Seattle Hemp Fest is the world's largest event advocating cannabis law reform, and you've, and you've made reference to it as a protestable. Um, so being the fact that cannabis is now legal, I guess, in Washington State, um, are you still going to stick with the same terminology as protestable? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, it's, it, it's, it's a little bit of semantics. It's legal, but there's nowhere to really buy it unless you're a medical patient with a doctor's recommendation. You can't grow it unless you're a patient with a doctor's recommendation. And, uh, um, and you can't really smoke it out on the street either. Well, you're not supposed to, even though in Seattle, I don't think you could even get a ticket for, for token up outside. But we still have the federal law and the federal uh, schedule going on, Schedule 1. Uh, right now, while we're having this broadcast, someone's getting pulled over, their life's changing before their eyes. Uh, who knows, they might lose their family, their job, their, their money, their freedom, their home. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty much, pretty much nothing's changed. We're, we're going full steam ahead. Uh, and, and one of our themes this year is no federal schedule, the end game, to really kind of let people know what's going on. So I guess on that note, do you see there being any difference in um in Hempfest in regard to the the to the i guess quasi fact or the fact that washington state is legal is that anyone that's coming from out of state um is that going to affect them at all in regard to their attendance at Hempfest if they're not a washington state patient i don't think so you know uh Hempfest is as i as we as you said it's a protestable and you know, it's been routine for people to light up as an act of civil disobedience uh, at Hempfest. Um, that's been going on for a long time. Um, and I, I think the only change really this year from last year at Hempfest is people, anyone, whether they're a Washington State citizen or not, will be able to have an ounce of marijuana on them legally and not be committing a crime. Well, that's, um, that's a good thing. Other than that, nothing's changed uh, at Hempfest. It will not be permissible to sell 
any form of cannabis at the event. Um, you know, the city's got a problem with doctors giving recommendations in the field that hemp or the state does, so that won't be taking place. But I think pretty much hemp is going to go on uh, as it has pretty much unchanged in the past, um, except if somebody shows up uh, at our gate and they look in their bag and they see an ounce of marijuana, they're going to let them come right in. Well, that's, I guess, a good thing. So, yeah, so an ounce of marijuana, people will be able to go ahead and bring in with them. Um, so I know this year also you guys opened up uh, Hemp Fest, Hemp Fest Central. Um, how is that going? Tell us a little bit about that. And uh, where will there, obviously, will it be open and available to people that are coming to attend HempFest? And if they come to Seattle beforehand, how do they find you? Um, and, and tell us a little bit about HempFest Central and, and what you guys, and why you guys decided to open up, I guess, a headquarters. Sure. Well, David, you know, we, we operated, I like to say, grassroots to our ass roots for 20 years working out of our homes. Uh, and HempFest is a huge undertaking uh, in any environment. And so, you know, we kind of thought for a long time we were operating out of an outdated model that we had some central offices uh, that we kind of really thought we'd taken it as far as we can, kind of shoestring budget. We need to, to, to make the leap and invest in uh, some offices. And we said, while we're doing that, we've got a bunch of merchandise. We know vendors of all kinds. Let's put a little storefront in the front. And that's what we have. We've got a hemp boutique. We're not a dispensary. We don't sell marijuana. Uh, but we've got all kinds of cool items. We've got glass and, and hemp clothes and hemp-fest merchandise and, and 420 wall art and uh, kind of cool custom stuff in here. Um, you know, people can buy most of our merchandise online any, from anywhere um, by just going to Hemp-Fest Central and, uh, or excuse me, hempfest.org and clicking on the Hemp-Fest Central link there. Um, if folks want to come to Seattle before HempFest or after HempFest and, and check out our store, um, they can hit us up at 12351. That's 12351 Lake City Way Northeast, number 102 uh, here in North Seattle. Um, I'm not sure if HempFest is going to be open during, oh, excuse me, if HempFest Central is going to be open, the store during HempFest. Uh, we really traditionally need every able body to pull HempFest off. And I'm just not sure whether or not we're going to have the store staff that we don't need at the event. Um, obviously, it'd be great to have it open, so we're going to strive for that. That's cool. All right. Well, definitely, if you're, uh, you know, if you are in um, Seattle prior to Hempfest, definitely go check out, support um, the Seattle Hempfest, and check out Hempfest Central. Um, and again, you can go check out them online as well. Um, we'll go ahead and post links and everything to. Uh, HempFest Central and to HempFest on our Facebook page and our website uh, at the end of the show also so people can go ahead and uh, go and, and visit from there. Um, hey, you know, David, I'm sorry. It would, I'd be, it would be bad if I didn't mention two things. First of all, people can get HempFest gear, HempFest shirts and hats and merchandise from other years on the website. But also people, if they're interested in HempFest and the history, they can buy my book, Protestable, through the HempFest website as well. And that has a 20-year uh, story, history, posters, photographs, everything, and including a free DVD of the documentary from our first 10 years. So I, right. I'd be bad. At, I'd be remiss if I didn't make the pitch for Protestable, the book. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, I haven't read it yet, but you know what? I'm going to make sure to get myself a copy and definitely uh, read that so I'm knowledgeable about uh, you know your history. So let's uh, take a walk down memory lane to the Washington Hemp Expo in 1991. Um, give us a quick timeline from from then till now 
um, as the inspiration, aspirations, and how it has grown from the Washington Hemp Expo to the world's largest um, cannabis event, I'd say, you know. Well, the inspiration and aspiration has required a lot of perspiration, that's for sure. And, no uh, doubt. you know, in 1991, we, we had this idea to do a, a, a pot rally, essentially, um, and, and introduce people to industrial hemp. We had, we had recently picked up a copy of Jack Harris' groundbreaking, you know, seminal book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes kind of blew the lid off of everything that we already knew. You know, we were already very full behind legalization, but we didn't really understand the complexity of industrial hemp and its history in the world and in America and what a role it played in evolution of humanity. Um, and we, we were really excited about this kind of new revolution that we saw coalescing. Uh, the year before Hemp Fest started, we actually threw a rally at Westlake Center in downtown Seattle in the retail core. We invited Jack Herrer to come and speak uh, and so we did a pretty cool little event down in Westlake with Jack in 1990. And that's kind of, no pun intended, how the seeds were planted for Hemp Fest to some degree. And um, and so we you know, secured Volunteer Park, which is kind of central in Seattle, in the Broadway district. Um, great name, Volunteer Park, since we were all volunteers. I was working with a group called the Seattle Peace Heathens at the time, an all-volunteer community action group of alternative culture folks really interested in doing positive things, community, positive community-related events and, uh, and volunteerism and things like that, making a good name for the, for the counterculture. Uh, and so we kind of teamed up with some folks. Peace Seasons are kind of the original staff at Hemp Fest. Uh, in fact, the Peace Seasons kind of evolved and grown and got absorbed into Hemp Fest it, it, uh, completely. Um, that first day, you know, we showed up at Volunteer Park. We had a PA coming in. There's a little a cement amphitheater that's, that's permanently built there that we used as a stage. And the one thing we noticed, we were a little concerned because when we showed up at the park that morning, there was an unusual amount of homeless people sleeping in the park and a little bit worried about it. And as, as the dew started to melt and the, and the sun streamed down as the morning progressed, we slowly realized that those people weren't homeless at all. They were people that had come from other states to attend the rally. Uh, and we were like shocked. We were really surprised. We had a handmade rub-on letter flyer that we had made um, it had, you know, just kind of guerrilla promotion. Uh, but we were surprised because there's about 500 people that showed up. Yeah, it was 1991. The majority of folks were young males in black leather jackets with long hair. The grunge scene was in full uh, bloom here in Seattle. Um, we had all grunge type bands play that first year. I remember, uh, you know, they had asked me to MC the thing and I was up there emceeing and and while I was talking to the band or to the audience in the first hour or so, I noticed that everybody was like all looking behind me and, and cheering and stuff. I turned around and I saw my cohorts up there putting a couple big budding Cincinnati plants up on the stage. Then I understood why they asked me to MC and they weren't doing it. Um, and, uh, and we had a great year. Um, we stayed at Volunteer Park for the next three years as the event grow, grew. Uh, we ended up with about 3,000 people at the 2000, or excuse me, the 93 Hemp Fest. We kind of grew, outgrew that little amphitheater there in Volunteer Park. The next year, we chose Gasworks Park, a uh, former oil refinery right down on, on Lake Union um, in the Puget Sound. And, you know, it's kind of iconic scenery in the back, huge, towering, old, rusty 
foil structures and, and towers and stuff. That year we had the, the Seattle punk band Seven Year Bitch headline. Uh, we had a huge stage. It was just a scaffold stage. Um, and we had 15,000 people showed up and it just completely blew our mind. We were totally unprepared for it. Uh, it was in the Wallingford district, a neighboring uh, kind of a residential district in Seattle, neighboring it. And it was just a cluster of cars, vehicles. People couldn't get to their homes for hours in the neighborhood. It was just complete gridlock. Um, it was really incredible. It, we learned that year about marsh pit barriers. You know, Seven Year Bitch was performing. Um, we had the herbivore, Sticker Bush, Seven Year Bitch, Mike Tai Water, members of Grunt Truck, and uh, and some other big Seattle grunge bands, Green Apple Quick Step, people like that. We're in this kind of all star act. And while we're on the stage, because we had a lot of, in those days, there was a lot of stage diving and moshing going on. And people kept jumping off the stages, and one guy put his foot right through one of the monitor speakers to dive off the stage. So we were up there kind of protecting the stage. And at one point, I noticed that the stage was rocking up and down, back and forth. And, and I looked down and noticed that a bunch of people in the front row had grabbed a hold of the plywood on the front of the stage, and they were literally lifting it up like a foot, a foot and rocking it back and forth. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. If they wanted to, they could have flipped the stage over. And so that was the last year that we didn't have a mosh pit barrier in front of the, 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 at least the main stage. Um, and so that was just an amazing year. It blew the lid off. It, it showed us what was possible. It was the first year that we worked with Art Chantry, the famous punk rock poster guru. And it was the first year we had a poster by Art Chantry and Jamie Sheen, an awesome seven-year bitch skeleton cigarette pack poster that won actual several national art awards. Uh, we got burlap version of that poster printed on Hemp Burlap, available at Hemp Fest Central online at infest.org, real collector's item. And so then, in 95, we realized that we'd outgrown Grassworks Park in one year, and so we had to look for a venue that really hit a new criteria, and those criteria were uh, centrally located with enough space, enough room for us to, to exist, some kind of existing perimeter so we didn't have to pay to fence the whole thing off. Uh, Minimal business and residential impact, and Myrtle Edwards Park, the park we chose, is right down on the waterfront in view of Mount Rainier and the Space Needle. It's about two, three blocks from the Space Needle, right on the waterfront, one of the most beautiful 1.5-mile expanses of downtown Seattle Park there is. Um, and, of course, there had to be adequate parking in the area, and there had to be public transportation coming to it. And so we kind of looked at everywhere in Seattle and we picked Little Edwards Park where there was already a political event going on to make a legal precedent and that was the 4th of July fireworks that used to go on down there at the time. And so we, we moved in and we had the first uh, Seattle Hemp Fest 1995 at Little Edwards Park. We only had one stage in those days. Now we've got six stages. Um, and we had about 55,000 people that year. So we were just growing exponentially. And how many people uh, did you have time. last year? How many people were there last year? Uh, about about 240,000. The police estimate we get about 80,000 per day wow. at Hempfest. So you went from um, 55,000 to 200,000. So we're busting, about a, we're busting about a quarter million right now. Wow. Um, and, uh, and so we've been there since 95. We've been in Myrtle Edwards Park. We took 1996 off to produce the first ever statewide hemp voters pamphlet. Um, and then uh, came back in 1997, and we haven't missed a year since. Um, it rained really hard on us in 1997. A big black cloud came in. Um, 
but we managed to weather that storm. In 2004, it rained almost the whole weekend on us. It stomped us hard. And once the rain stopped uh, in, on Sunday morning, we busted out an incredible hemp fest. Thousands of people showed up in no time. We had about 60,000, 70,000 people there that day. Um, and since then, it's just been uh, just been a freight train that we just keep riding this freedom train, man, down the mountain until we get to the glory land someday. That's awesome. And, uh, of course, you know, since last year's Hemp Fest, I-502 passed, uh, a historic achievement on and Major 64 in Colorado, uh, basically busting the meme this, you know, all of our lifetimes, all of us, longer than our lifetimes, most of us, there's been this, this predominant meme, this concept that Prohibition was here to stay. It was a cement, it was a, a, a you know, a, a, an iron wall. There's nothing you could do. It's never coming down. And what we learned with the passage of these two initiatives, state initiatives, is that it's actually a brick wall. And we took a few bricks out already. But if you take the right next couple bricks out, the structural integrity might be compromised and the whole thing could fall down. You know, that said, I-502 is extremely controversial. Extremely controversial um, uh, within the Northwest Cannabis Reform Community um, because of several aspects, the DUI component of it that makes a five nanogram blood level for DUI, which a lot of people opposed, no home grow, uh, and kind of a state-licensed retail operation. Uh, the jury's kind of out on how that's going to play out. The city is still, uh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I have it coming back until I'm on the radio. And sorry about that. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's been very interesting. And the important thing is we broke the ice. We got a foot in the door. Uh, for the first time in the history of American pot prohibition, uh, the drug warriors are now the demoralized ones. I think they clearly see that, that, you know, their dinosaur is starting to fall and it's going to make a big impact when it falls. Everybody needs to get out of the way, but it's coming down. Prohibition's coming down. It's just a matter of time. We're, we're making it work. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's, that's why I'm on board, you know, Cannabis Information Network. You know, we're, we're a large direct action advocacy group and, you know, Cannabis Network Radio. I like calling ourselves direct action on air. So, uh, you know, we can go ahead and end this, this prohibition nonsense. I mean, it's, it's something that that's ridiculous, but, uh, you know, we'll save that for, for a different episode. So I have a question here that came in um, from Mary, and she wants to know approximately how many people are local that attend HempFest and how many people come, you think, from out of state or other places? You know, it just so happens that we did some polling on that, and, and the polling indicates that about 20% of our attendees come from out of state. You said 20%? And all right, we have one other question here from Chris. Chris says, um, "Is smoking permitted in all areas of Hempfest?" Um. Well, you know, technically, smoking's not permitted in Seattle City Parks. Um, that said, many people light up. Most people imbibe during Hempfest, um, and so I think the safe answer for me to say uh, is, I think that there's minimal danger of getting arrested or ticketed for imbibing during Seattle Hemp Fest this year. Well, that, that, that said, technically it's not legal. I can't say, yeah, light up at Seattle Hemp Fest. Um, I'm the permit holder of the event and I've got to be you know, careful about what I say. But the reality of it is, is that most people light up at Hemp Fest have been doing it for some time. Um, 
think it's extremely unlikely somebody's going to get a, a ticket, which is all you can get in Seattle now for smoking in public, is a, a, a ticket. Um, and from my knowledge, the city attorney has told the Seattle Police Department to only issue warnings right now. Well, that's good. So, uh, Chris, I hope that answers the question. It does. It does. Thank you. Um, and then we have one other question. How many bands are you? do you have this year uh, lined up so far? We have six stages of, of speakers and music. I think it's like 111 bands or something like that. The last count I looked at, it, I'd have to count them all. We added a third day, and so that's why the old numbers that we had don't line up. But I think it's well over 100 acts. And let's see. And, and, and let me tell you, we have lined up. So this is going to be the greatest year for music ever. In fact, because our numbers are so big, we can't even we can't even announce the headline acts this year. So there's going to be about five acts probably that we're going to have to book as special guests. Wow, that's cool. Um, looking forward to uh, you know finding out <laughs> about what they are. Yeah, it's really going to be good. And on the main stage, we kind of have a uh, kind of a, a, a mellower kind of reggae rock theme on Saturday. We've got a hard rock theme on Sunday, and we have a a hemp hop theme on, or excuse me, a hard rock theme on Saturday and a hemp hop theme on Sunday. That said, there's all kinds of music at Hemp Fest from country and western to folk to bluegrass to punk rock to, to uh, you know, heavy metal and death rock and, and jazz and international music. We really try to book a little bit of everything, something for everybody. All I can say is I am really excited about about Hempfest this year. I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, uh, you know, almost like a kid in a candy store. Like, you know, I want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely getting excited for it. Um, we have a question um, from uh, Santo um, here. Uh, he wants to know about volunteering. Can people volunteer for just the weekend or... Um, from, if they're from another state, or are you looking for people that are more long-term volunteers? Man, Sam is the man to be asking that awesome question. People can totally volunteer for just the weekend. We need to fill a thousand staff shirts. Um, they're going to have to go through a quick orientation on site, which is pretty painless. Um, but yeah, the answer is, you know, we've got over a hundred crews in Hempfest. There's something to do for any skill set. Um, you know, people that just kind of come in that weekend obviously are going to be taking the kind of jobs that they don't need kind of advanced safety training and stuff like that for. Um, you know, they probably won't be building a stage or, or, or you know, cooking food. Uh, but that said, we've got plenty of things for any, for people to do. We encourage people to come once they can. And the best thing for people that are interested in volunteering is to go to hempfest.org right now. They'll, they'll see a bar across the top. Click on Get Involved. They'll see Volunteer. And they can see we have internal... Uh, volunteer positions, but we have a lot of external positions, which means anybody can just come and volunteer. Um, they can see a list kind of right there, and then once they get, then they can sign up online from anywhere, pick their ships and everything, and then once they get to Hempfest, they want to come in, they're going to find the, the big, huge operations compound that we have, a gigantic central operations compound that we have, uh, and then they'll see the volunteer registration right there. Uh, it's a great group of people, very positive. We do ask folks to be sober and aware and intelligent during their shifts. You know, uh, we really don't want people all baked out working for Hempfest. Um, there's plenty of time for them to do that on the on the rest of the time. Um, and we're, and we're certainly, you know, they got to be honest. They got to be fairly presentable. You know, I mean, what we mean is they can't be you know filthy, dirty or anything like that because we have an image to think about. But other than that, we don't care. We don't care what they look like, what color they are, how long and short their hair is, any of that stuff. Everybody's welcome. If you've got a belly button, that's your membership button, our tribe. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, what are? Do you have any uh, keynote speakers already lined up for this year? Anyone you want to mention that's going to be uh, gracing us with their presence at Hempfest this year? You know, I'm not on the speakers committee. They've been working really hard. I haven't seen a list of speakers this year yet. I think they're still confirming them right now. But I can tell you that I'm pretty sure that we'll have folks like you know we'll have Keith Strop and Alan St. Pierre. Uh, from from normal, uh, I think we're going to have Rick Steves again, the famous uh, television travel host. Um, we will have the folks that were behind I five zero two. I you know it's probably going to be the greatest speaker lineup ever because I think a lot of the heavy hitters that have missed the last few years want to be there for this special historic uh, year. You know, the first year of legal marijuana at Hempfest. So I'm embarrassed to say that I don't have a, a great list of speakers yet to tell you. Um, but it's coming out real soon. And, and if folks can look at org, look at our speakers from last year, our lineup there, and we'll get a good idea on, on who will be coming because the list is pretty similar usually. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can say from last year the lineup was, was quite impressive, uh, you know, informative, educational, um, you know, definitely something that I can say from my experience of coming to Hempfest is, is there's always good speakers and, and, and lots of information, lots of booths, lots of unity, everything that, that is happening at Hempfest. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful event. And I urge everyone, you know, Seattle, not from Seattle, definitely, um, you know, come check out Seattle Hempfest this year. Um, it is, is, you know, as Vivian, you just said, it's going to be historic as well because uh, we are having, you know, it's it's legal or, you know, somewhat, I guess, to the extent. So it's going to be a historic first for, you know, the state of Washington and for Hempfest. Um, yeah, you know, we should put out, I'm sorry, yeah, I should put out a call out for the Hemposium. We have a huge 100 by 40 foot uh, circus tent uh, where we have keynote speakers and panel discussions. And stuff goes on. That's where a lot of the other, you know, we have speakers on all the stages, but that's where a lot of really interesting discourse goes on. Some of it really that only happens in a few other places in America. That's true. I, I did attend a few of those last year and, and again, did had good panel discussions, good forums, um, you know, plethora of information. And, and if, if nothing else, um, you get to meet some, you know, cannabis uh, legends in their own right um, as well. So uh, I definitely think. You know, if you have an opportunity, if you're listening and you want to, you know, get involved um, and you want to attend Seattle Hempfest, do so. Uh, if you want to get involved, even better. Um, I know that last year after I attended, I stayed for another couple of days afterwards. We did help clean up the park um, afterwards. And, you know, I definitely know that a lot of people weren't weren't stank around for that. So I can say from being a part of the cleanup crew last year, you know, don't just leave when it's over. Pitch in as well. So. Um, yeah, it was awesome working with you last year, man. We were yeah. on site for 11 days. Um, yeah. We get, I think we get five days to, to put it up, something like that, to build it and, and bring everything in. We have three days to rage, and then I think they give us three days to tear everything down, clean everything out, uh, take everything out, and then we come back for another couple of days and pick every single cigarette butt, cigarette butt stitch of litter, every residual yep. piece of debris, and we leave those parts spotless. Yeah. Um, we have 1,000 people wearing staff shirts before and during the event, we end up usually like 70 people to do the whole entire loadout after the event. Yeah. We really could use folks sticking out, you know, doing what you did last year, which is really helping us out, man, and by sticking around, chipping, 
Yeah, so that's that's definitely why I want to throw that plug in because you know I, I we definitely saw a dissipation of people wanting to pitch in when it t- came to cleanup time. That's just as important as everything else. Um, so I'm going to put my two cents in there as well. Um, so uh, if you want to volunteer, um, you know, as we spoke earlier, go to hemfest.org. Uh, go to uh, what does it take uh, take part or what is it get involved yeah, get, involved, see, get involved volunteer and then you click on that and it'll drop down you'll see volunteer yep so go there check out about volunteers um you know volunteers are needed um i know you guys also you know need to raise x number of dollars because it does cost even though this is a volunteer you know based event i know you guys are, are also trying to raise funds if somebody wants uh to uh, sponsor to contribute um, or any of our listeners just want to send in a donation um, would you just give them information on how to do so and, and what to do yeah absolutely you know Himfest is the world's largest protestable it's also got the world's largest production bill uh, cost about $750,000 to throw Himfest uh, it's an all volunteer event we have no corporate sponsorship really to speak of um, we have to raise all that money you know through a variety of means um, and some of that is donations, contributions, either via the website uh, with a credit card or in our donation bin during the event. We're 501c4 nonprofit, so unfortunately people can't tax deductibly write off their contributions, uh, but it's a great uh, cause to contribute to. The other ways people can get involved financially, um, of course we have about 400 vendors that, that work the event. Vending spots are still available. They're going quick. Uh, we have a variety of sponsorship packages available. People can also check that out on the sponsor page of our website for businesses uh, and corporations that want to get their brand, want to get exposure to our huge, unique, young demographic. Um, we have a membership program, actually. We have a huge uh, in on-site VIP party Friday night for our special VIP members. We have three tiers of membership. I think it's 200 bucks for a VIP membership. Um, folks get access to we kind of do a, a members party kind of every couple months here in Seattle private Quick, members party I actually have a question get, I actually have a question about yeah. that VIP um, if if is that per person or if a corporation or a business wants to 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 get a VIP how does that work is it $200 per person or, or is there a separate corporate sponsorship or, or how does that well you know you actually back me into a corner with the answer that I don't have which doesn't happen too often um, but I'm, I'm not on that membership committee, and I'm, I do know, I think there is a corporate uh, package, but I don't know what it is, so I'm going to have to ask people to go to hempfest.org and okay. click on uh, click on sponsor or on members memberships. The other thing is they can always send an email to membership at hempfest.org. Okay. Um, about how many? That is, that, that is per person. Okay. Per person. Okay. Gotcha. I, I still got a little more time, too, so uh, just let you know. Oh, okay. Um, great. Um, so let me, how many full-time staffers do, do you have like year round that work, that work for Hempfest? Well, Hempfest is all volunteer endeavor. Oh, sorry. How, how many, how many, how many year round staffers have, do you have? We don't have full-time staffers. You know, we've got, got, got a few people, um, you know, working our store here. Uh, but Hempfest is, is a volunteer endeavor okay. and it's, it's been all volunteer ever since the very beginning. Um, is there anyone in particular that has been there as long as you or, or like a right-hand person that makes things happen? Anyone you want to give a shout-out or thanks to? Um, you know, well, I mean, we've got a core group of about 100 people that meet every month of the year. Um, we've got a board of directors of nine folks that, that meets twice every month of the year. Um, there, there are, there's, 
frankly, there's only a handful of people that have been with HempFest the whole 22 years that I have been. Uh, partner Gary, uh, you know, co-founder Gary uh, from the Sealy who operates the Sealy stage during HempFest. He's one of them. There's folks like John the Freak and uh, an Owl, Eric Owl. Um, there's really only a handful of folks who've been with us the whole 22 years, and almost every one of them is, is a Seattle peace heathen. Um, but I, I really want to call out mostly to the core group of folks, you know, to kind of our core family uh, that really makes HempFest happen. We fill a thousand staff shirts during the event, but there's only only a hundred of those 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 shirts are people that are with us full time during the year. Um, it's an amazing family. Also, since you've given me this opportunity, I want to give a call out to amazing longtime Seattle activist Rick Smith, who passed away after a gallant 15-year battle with a variety of health issues. Uh, we just actually named the Hymposium tent the Rick Smith Hymposium. Uh, it's somewhat, after this year, we don't even sure it's going to be there because there's a big state thing coming into the park right now. We just actually met with him yesterday to kind of talk about it, and we think that he might be able to work with us so that both things can exist. But anyway, I want to call out Rick Smith, um, Cher Parker, uh, who passed away as well, who is a you know, a three-star general in the Hempfest Army. Um, her son, James Matheson, who died, they both had a cancer in 2006, just two months apart. Um, we've lost maybe, I don't know, about 15 people over the last 22 years that have passed away. Um, you know, it's just an incredible family, and it's just an amazing journey to justice to work with these folks, this solution-oriented kind of crisis management team of folks that just put sweat equity and and we just make it work with elbow grease and, and duct tape, you know. Um, it's a tremendous endeavor. It's, it's a historic achievement, and it takes a, a, a historic group of folks to make it happen. So I'm just humbled to work with the amazing group of folks that I work with. It's, it's, it's really the payment for it, being a part of this community. So over the years, I'm sure that you have met some, some legends in their, in their own you know, I guess in, in their own world, is there anyone that, that you have met over the years, uh, you know, that has made a real significant impact on you personally? Um, you know, that, that, that's a great question, David. Thanks for asking that. You know, I have met many of my heroes and, and very few people get that kind of opportunity. Um, and, and some of them have turned out that they were the real McCoy, that they were the genuine article, that they really, once I got to know them, they were still my heroes. Um, some of them, you know, are a little bit different. But some of those folks in that former category, of course, Jack Hare, you know, I mean, Jack was a good friend of mine and, and a very unique, complicated individual. Knowing Jack was a great thrill. Working with Jack was yeah. really a thrilling experience. He was a great man. There's for been sure. a lot of a lot of other, you know, activists that, that I've come to know through doing Hemp Fest. I mean, the list is huge. Dennis Trone, Ed Rosenthal, Alan St. Pierre, Keith Strop, um, uh, I mean, so many that I'm actually going to miss somebody. Um, you know, Will, Will Foster, who got a 93-year prison sentence in Oklahoma for a five-by-five-foot grow room. It was great getting to know Will and work with him. Um, you know, a lot of my own personal here, you know, Woody Harrelson uh, was great hanging out with Woody two different years in a row, getting baked with Woody Harrelson was, was, was a nice experience. Um, you know, my kind of my personal mentor and hero, Stephen Gaskin, uh, of the farm commune that the Grateful Dead song St. Stephen was written about. You know, he came out in 2004 to Hempfest, and, and really, you know, the reason that I'm involved in Hempfest is because Stephen Gaskin's work and, and writings in the 60s really inspired me. I was really kind of a, of a, uh, 
of a follower of his. Um, that was a huge thrill for me. Have you know having him come to our event uh, as a guest um, was, was a you know, big thing for me. Um, God, let me see. There's, there's so many folks. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, of course, working with Rick Steves, the TV personality. Rick's just a great guy. He's so cool and down home. And who would ever who would ever know that Rick Steves is a stoner? I mean, he's like, you know, he just seems so mainstream in his presentation. Um, he's a great guy. Um, God, let's see. It's just been thrilling. Uh, there's been so many folks. You know, we've worked a lot of great bands, the accused, members of Sublime, members of Smash Mouth. Um, that helped me out, Levi. Levi, one of the gurus from our entertainment committee is sitting right here because we're, we were in the middle of an entertainment committee meeting. The Cottonmouth Kings, that's right. They played two years. Seven Year Bitch, that I mentioned earlier. Um, our, you know, we have our house band, the Herbivores. Um, God, so, it's, just, it's so much. We, you know, this year I can't say we got the Toys coming to play. They were the original performing artists and 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 writers of Smoke Two Joint, right. um, and other great uh, cannabis anthems. Um, Pato Bonton is just a tremendous guy. The reggae artist, artist Pato Bonton came and performed, and God, he was one of the coolest folks we ever worked with. Um, no, we don't play our acts hardly anything usually. Um, a lot of our acts just pay for travel. Um, all of our big headline acts, the vast majority of them pay for what would be considered a benefit fee, so they could just pay their crew and their travel and lodging. Um, and, you know, Pato Bonton is one of the coolest folks we've worked with on that level. Um, and, and geez, there's just, there's just been so many. So, so, um, so let me ask, yeah, let me ask this. I know, I know from like, you know, chasing around a couple times last year, I know that, that you really, um, you know, you're always on the go and you got a million things going on and, and you really, um, don't I, I mean I don't know I'm, I'm assuming you really don't get to enjoy Hempfest for for what it is. Um, have you ever taken a moment and took taken a step back from all the craziness and really let it sink in as to what what you have done and what it has become? You know, David, uh, I lose about 12 pounds during the week of Hempfest. It's the most walking and the most energy expenditure that you know, sensory overload that, that happens in my entire life the rest of the year. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm the MC of the main stage for a good portion of Hempfest, and, and I do get an opportunity. You know, usually, for some reason on Sunday, we often have a beautiful sunset. It's, it's weird, but we almost always have a gorgeous sunset on Sunday night on the end of Hempfest. And, and I've made it a point traditionally that, that if I haven't done it at any other time, that's usually when I'll stop and I'll look out over the water from the stage and look at the crowd and Mount Rainier in the background and Space Needle and, and all of it and just kind of take stock, you know, and, and just really humble myself and just go, wow, am I really a part of this? Is this really happening? You know, sometimes if I think too much about Hempfest, frankly, it freaks me out, man. It's a soul-crushing amount of responsibility, right. a, a mind-boggling amount of details, Nothing could go wrong. If you screw up, somebody could die. Um, you know, huge amount of permit requirements and legalese and, and safety issues and, and so many important details that, that can't be missed. That, that, that I actually, there's a couple of years that I actually had some pretty bad anxiety attacks. Sent me to the hospital or an ambulance thinking I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> it, was, it was a really intimidating thing, man. And, sure. and so I've kind of gotten into a habit of kind of keeping some of it arm's length mentally, you know, right. compartmentalizing it. 
But certainly during the event, I make a, a point several times to just like, wow, you know, I mean, first of all, if we make it to the event, if we're on site, the event's starting to happen, it's an incredible relief because there's so many times, you know, that you're just like, oh my God, is a thing that happens. We're coming together, you know, the permit battle every year is so hard. So certainly when you're there and it's happening and you're on site and, and all the details are coming together, it's an incredible aha moment of, oh my God, it's actually happening. We're pulling it off again. And then there's a whole new thing. There's two more moments. And that is when it's over. You know, when we say thank you, good night, go home, everybody's left and it's over and nobody got hurt. It's like, oh my God, we did it again. Right. And then once again, four days later, when we pack everything out and we've actually cleaned it up and got the stuff broken down and out of there on time, and it's usually within like two hours or an hour of the deadline. And if you don't make it on the deadline, it's like, you know, $500 per thing in the park yep. per day yep. in one half per hour in the other half because the parks are run by different entities. I mean, it, it's just the crushing, uh, uh, you know, crushing fines and fees and stuff if you don't right. get any out of there. So, so really the best part of it is like, my God, we got out of there. And then there's another one, and that's usually a couple months down the road when we find out, did we pay the $750,000 bill? You know, because we don't know, man. You, don't, yeah. you never know. Yeah. And, and there's a few years we didn't make it, and we barely squeaked by. Right. Um, this will certainly be the most important, most expensive and important hemp fest ever. It goes up about fifty grand a year just in permit requirements alone, wow. just in things that they're requiring us to do, extra security. Is, now extra is signage. now now when you say permit, is that something you feel is is typical, or do you think there's a bit of discrimination potentially in there? Well, there's no other event like Seattle Hemp Fest in America, and you know, when you when you tell a city, hey, I want to bring you know a hundred, two hundred thousand pot enthusiasts down to this park, and we're gonna run six stages and we do it all with volunteers, you know, um, that doesn't happen very often. So I think it's, it's, you know, it's reasonable for the city to have, we're also, we're, we're one of the biggest annual events in Seattle, if not the biggest event. And, and, and so I think it's just reasonable for the city to have very strict public safety rules, very strict community impact rules, very strict, you know, training and, 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 uh, you know, operational procedures and requirements that says that you're going you're gonna to pull this off in a professional manner. You're going to pull this off so nobody gets hurt. You're going to pull this off so there's minimal, you know, property damage and impact to the surrounding neighbors and, and the communities and stuff. And actually, this year, we've, we've done more than ever. We've actually met with a bunch of community groups, and, and we've got a new thing, the community impact report form on the website so that neighbors or businesses can immediately upload photos and tell us about areas that they outside the event if they think there's some trash here or, or something going on there. Um, and so while I think there's definitely politics that are involved in the permit process, and I think that, you know, I mean, the other thing is there's like 12 city departments have to sign off on all of our nano details of all of our multiple plans. You know, we have a security plan, a sanitation plan, a garbage plan, a parking plan, uh, you know, a sign plan, on and on and on, a first aid plan, and the fire department, the mar fire marshal's office, the, you know, the construction land use folks, the, the parks department, the mayor's office, the finance department, the department of revenue. A lot, a lot of permits, a lot of departments. All have to gotcha. sign off on our plans, you know. Right. So, 
we just don't know. I don't know if the city's discriminated against us or not. I don't think so. I think that Seattle, you know, with all the, the, the peccadillos and the occasional battles and the saber rattling that goes on back and forth between us, I think all in all, Seattle's been tremendously good to Seattle Hemp Fest. I don't think this event could have happened anywhere else in America the way that it has and the way that it's grown. And so, you know, all, I mean, the mayor spoke last year at Seattle. The city attorney spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, a state senator spoke. A state representative spoke. And a member of the city council spoke at Hemp Fest. So that hasn't happened anywhere else that I'm aware of. So I, it'd be pretty hard for us to diss on the city at this point. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to know that you guys have a good working relationship. That's always, uh, that's always, uh, and, and keep in mind that I'm, I'm cursing and bitching and moaning a lot of the rest of the year. No um, doubt. No so, doubt. So I'm, just to put it in, about these issues, to put it in perspective, but at right. the end of the day, if my hip feet are held to the fire, I have to say that we're in the greatest city in the world, I think. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, I've been to Seattle a couple of times and I definitely have to say it is a unique city through and through. Um, let me just add a couple more questions for you real quick. Um, Great. Have, did you expect Hemfest to become what it became? Or at some point did you're like, all right, every year we know we're going to get bigger. We know we're going to get bigger. I mean, was that something that was, was expected? Was that like a vision? Um, or is it just a plus or, um, you know, are, are you happy with the growth and do you want to see it get bigger? You know, we never knew if Hempfest was going to happen the next year. You know, we had absolutely no idea in the world that 22 years down the road, I'd be on, you know, be on some radio program talking to David in Florida about the world's biggest pot rally. We never dreamed in a million years anything like that would happen. We were unprepared for it. It's been a, a learning experience. You know, we've, we've learned in real time. We've had to really grow up and expand our, our abilities in the process of filling this event. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned, awed, blown away, devastated, humbled by what it's become. It's, it's, it's beyond our wildest dreams. Um, you know, we do this because we believe in the cause, because we believe in America, because we want America to be a better country, because we believe in our community and want it to be a safer place and a fair, just, society. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, I mean, it's turned into our life's work. I mean, this is my life's work and, and my life to some degree will be, you know, measured by HempFest. Um, and, and, and you and got, so, yeah, I want it to thrive. I want it to, to exist. I don't know how much it can grow, frankly. Um, you know, it's a big problem with HempFest and like how big can it possibly get and still have a venue in the city limits. Right. Um, but we're working on it and we're looking at plans and we're looking at possibilities because we don't intend to go away. And once the, the cannabis is legalized, just like in, you know, they have a million people at Oktoberfest in Germany celebrating beer. Uh, we think that this should be the, uh, a national cultural, uh, uh, celebration of the cannabis culture, uh, far into the future and we look forward to that. Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing I, I didn't mention that I want to slide in really quickly is that one of the things we're doing this year with, with cannabis being, you know, quasi-legalized here in, in Washington State, we have a theme, and that's harm reduction and responsible use. And we're going to attempt to tackle the issues of youth use and abuse and dependency and impaired driving and pot in your health, pot in your lungs, uh, et cetera. And we're actually going to, we're working with several notable experts in the field, national experts, and we're really going to try to advance an agenda this year 
kind of say, hey, now that it's becoming legal, we need to really think about what's the right way to use pot, how to, how to think about harm reduction, how to cause the least impact to ourselves and get the most positives out of it. Pot's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a plant. And if you use it responsibly and wisely, it can do good things. If you use it irresponsibly and unwisely, you can do bad things um, or not so good things. And so, you know, with, with uh, the success comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and a tremendous opportunity to message correctly to young people coming to our event that our message is not sex, drugs, and rock and roll as much as it's peace, love, and understanding. And, uh, you know, if we were sitting around smoking pot and that's all we ever did, there'd be no hemp fest. So it's, a, it's a work party. And when it's done, man, do we smoke a lot of pot. I smoke, I put <laughs> yeah. a chimney to shame when hemp fest is over. But I don't smoke, I don't smoke very much pot during that week, man. Uh, I might even take just a couple of pokes. It's too much. Right. It's too much to do, too much to think about, too much to be on top of. Well, Vivian, and, I And, you know, in the past, there's a few times about, you know, years ago in the 90s, I, like, hey, man, you know, I think we're let's go smoke a big fat joint. And then five minutes later, hey, Vivian, the police want to talk to you. You know, the, the mayor's on the phone or something like that. And it's like, I said, oh, man, you know, I really regret it. It could be, it could be a good so, thing or a bad thing, I guess. It depends on the scenario, right? Yeah, that's right. There's, there's proper time and place, you know. And if, if you're driving a school bus down a mountain, uh, you probably shouldn't be smoking any pot. It's probably no, a real bad idea. Probably not a good idea. Um, but, you know, when you get off work, man, and you got those kids home safe and everything's done, Great idea. Fire up a huge blazer, smoke two joints, and smoke two meat. Well, I, I definitely uh, want to at this point in time from, from myself um, as well as Cannabis Information Network, Cannabis Network Radio, thank you for everything that you have done for the canniculture community and the cannabis uh, you know, awareness and movement. And, and we thank you from, from the bottom of our heart and the entire organization for all your efforts and everything that you have done to make uh, you know, Seattle Hempfest, the largest uh, cannabis festival in the world. Um, thank you so much. And I know that also you were recognized last year by High Times for a Lifetime Achievement Award and an award very, very well deserved by you. So thank you very much uh, for everything that, that you do. And it's, it is Thank you so much, David. Us. I really so. appreciate it. I want to I send out a heartfelt Hempfest hug from our whole group to all of our brothers and sisters and fellow, you know, freedom warriors uh, in Florida. And uh, it's just a great experience to be connected to such a wonderful family, international family. And certainly that High Times Award was was a big lifetime, you know, high for me. It's a real natural high for me and an unnatural one. And definitely a well-deserved uh, reward. Um, Cannabis Network Radio and Cannabis Information Network will go ahead and, and continue to provide information leading up to HemFest um, as well. Um, and we'll also, one, once we're on the ground at HemFest, we're, we're going to try to snag some interviews as well while we're there. So, uh, you know, people can tune in to, uh, you know, HemFest.org, uh, tune into our show, look at our website, and uh, we'll bring you all the uh, updates and, and current events uh, leading up to HemFest uh, 2013. Vivian, thank you so, so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to talk with us this evening here on Cannabis Network Radio. It is greatly appreciated. And again, thank you for everything that you have done for uh, the cannabis community over the last 20 plus years. You bet, bro. Peace to you, man. Thanks so much. Have a Talk good to night. You soon. Thank you. So that was uh, Vivian McPeak, uh, Executive Director and uh, one of the founders of Seattle Hempfest, the largest cannabis festival uh, in the world. Uh, it is going to take place uh, this year, the third weekend of August this year, um, from the 16th, 17th, and 18th um, in Seattle. I highly, highly recommend anyone that, that has the opportunity and wants to take a summer vacation and wants to experience something 
and uh, have a level of freedom that they have never experienced before, make plans to be at Hempfest. Um, if you can't, um, you know, if you can't afford to come or maybe find some way to get a group together, um, it could be cheaper, but I definitely recommend to, uh, uh, get to Hempfest and, uh, you know, participate in an event. And this year it really is going to be, um, a very unique, uh, event because just like Colorado's 420 event that I attended, um, this is the first is historic, I should say, um, not more than unique. Uh, it was the first event in Colorado where the state was legal and they had an event and this in Washington state as well. This is going to be the first hemp fest, the largest uh, cannabis event in the world uh, where the state is actually uh, it's recognized as legal and people are able to possess up to one ounce of cannabis on their person at any given time during this event. Um, so it definitely will be unique. And uh, one other thing as well is uh, just this past Tuesday night show, uh, we did have uh, the um, author and illustrator um, of If a Peacock Finds a Pot Leaf. Um, they will be uh, have a booth at Hemfest as well. It's one of the first children's books um, out about uh, cannab medical cannabis and awareness um, that parents and adults can read and share with each other as well as uh, share with their children on, on proper use and education for medical use of cannabis. Um, and I think that's about all I got for this evening. Um, here on Cannabis Network Radio. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for downloading, subscribing. Um, as I said, we've reached over 114,000 people uh, with Cannabis Network Radio already. We have, you know, number... We missed a week, but we're number eight on iTunes, um, which is still a pretty big deal. We're still in the top ten. Um, I want to get back to number four. I want to get to number one. I can't do without all your support. So go to iTunes. Uh, subscribe to our podcast, download our podcast, uh, rate our podcast, write something about it. Um, and uh, for more information, you also can go to Hempfest Central, uh, hempfest.org. Uh, you can find out all the information you need about Hempfest, and I'll go ahead and also post links up on Cannabis Network Radio's uh, Facebook page and on our uh, new website at www.cannetradio.com. Check us out. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Have a good night.